The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is 93.7 The Ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion, Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn, he'll get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Copples Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Presented by Wingstop, here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! Yeah, we are back. We are at Wingstop, top of the hour. We are going to get right into it. Coach Osborne, give us teammates. Give us the, the teammates. If someone wants to become a teammate, if they want to donate the teammates, just give us the whole the whole spew, Coach. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, our website is teammates.org, and... Uh, That'll walk a person through if they decide to want to be a mentor and or donate or whatever. But uh, the biggest thing that we're really needing right now is more mentors because we have about a third more kids who sign up, say they'd like to have a mentor than we have mentors. So we're always recruiting mentors. It's pretty easy. Just um, most, most of our mentoring occurs over the lunch period, and that's 30, 35, 40 minutes. And we're in every school, for instance, in Lincoln, and um, whether it be um, elementary school, middle, or high school, and um, and we're in about 150 chapters around the state of Nebraska, so we pretty well blanketed the state. So, and we've grown a lot, learned a lot over the last 30 years. Graduation rate for teammates last year was 98 percent, and um, and so. Um, that beats the the average by about 15% or so. And uh, and also uh, behavior improves, uh, and kids are more hopeful. And probably the greatest uh, predictor of success later in life is, is hope, having uh, a vision that things can get better, that you can weave your way through, that there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And that's essentially what a mentor does. They provide that uh, that inspiration. And you had a mentor, John Shuley, mm-hmm. that I think uh, came into your life at a critical time. Twelve and, years old. Uh, so uh, it made a big difference uh, for you. And, uh, and so anyway, that's what we do. And we're in five states, and we mentor about 10,000 kids now. And that grew, that grew from 22 football players mentoring some 7th and 8th grade boys here in Lincoln seemed to work out well because the kids all graduated from high school and went on and 18 of the 22 went on to college and so then we said well this maybe has some merit and we expanded it so so that's what we've done and um, so anybody was would be interested in being a mentor please uh, look at uh, teammates.org because we uh, will train you we'll match you up with somebody who has similar interests and we think that it'd be a good experience because most mentors will tell you they think they get as much out of it 
or maybe more than their mentee. And, uh, and I think what they mean is that uh, it gives them a sense of purpose and meaning that they don't get anywhere else. When you do something for somebody who can't do anything for you in return, it adds a dimension of meaning and purpose in your life. So anyway, that's enough of a plug for me. Yeah, Coach, I was going to ask you, though, how do you, how do you pair them? How does that pairing process work? Mm-hmm. You know, if I wanted to become a mentor, I like bowling, I like football, I like, you know, how do you pair me with? Okay. Well, every every school school building has a building coordinator, and uh, and that person gets to know the mentees, the the young people who've raised their hand and said uh, want to want to mentor, and then we interview the mentors and we make sure that we pair them up. For instance, somebody that's interested in opera, and that's uh, a that's a mentor, and. Uh, and then you get some young guy that's all all he cares about is football. Uh, that may not work out very well. Right. So, <clears throat> so you like like Terrell, you know, he may not have been been big on the arts, but he was oh, good. No. He was good on football. He so. said he said he was. He, nah, I better not say that to coach. <laughs> you but, yeah, but anyway, we we try to make sure they they're matched uh, according to common interests, and and uh, and that always makes a big difference. And then. You've got that building coordinator who schedules a meeting. Maybe it's a library. Maybe it's a, a an empty classroom or whatever. So far to date, we've mentored uh, over forty-three thousand kids without anybody being injured. And so we uh, we do screening. We uh, make sure that everybody understands the proper parameters, and uh, and uh, and it does work. So um, anyway. Hope uh, hope we can get some people to be interested. Wow, we, we definitely need it. Teammates mentoring program, teammates.org. If you want to look at look at being a, a teammate, I think uh, without John Shuley, I mean, Coach, you know this. You know how much he went to bat for me to come to Nebraska. But uh, without John Shuley in my life, who knows where Rashawn Jackson would be. You know, he, he came to the projects when – Back mm-hmm. then, you, you weren't too many people that looked like you, Coach, coming to the projects <laughs> here. You know what I'm saying? But he actually came and, mm-hmm. and picked me up and and uh, and just showed me about life. You know, mm-hmm. my, my father wasn't there, of course. And, uh, you know, I just think about that all the time. So if you can give back, give back in a way that some, a kid like me, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know where I'd be at without him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm grateful. Bob, yeah. do you have any questions for Coach Osborne? Well, yeah, just kind of uh, focusing on, on this week's game. I know you had a trip yourself to Tokyo. Uh, did, that, did that cause any extra hurdles to get over, or do you think it was a, about business as normal going out of, out of country to play? Well, <laughs> we played uh, Kansas State over there, and uh, we flew to Chicago, which is the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> and both teams got on the same plane. No. It was 747. They were on one side. Uh, the plane we were on the other side, and then you had about a 16-hour plane ride, and uh, and I went over there, and I remember we get on the we, we were there five days early, so we had three or four practices, so we get everybody on the bus getting ready to go to practice, and I tapped the driver on the shoulder and I said, okay, time to go, he'd nod, he'd smile, and we'd sit there, <laughs> so I go up and I tap him on the shoulder, I said, it's time to go, and. And he'd nod, and he'd, he'd sit there. And finally I figured out this guy wasn't going to move until somebody at the dispatch office called him and told him to go. So I just sat there 
and sometimes we'd be a half hour late getting going. And uh, and then came the game, and so we scored a touchdown. It was kind of dead silence. They had a big crowd there. Nobody clapped or anything. And then we lined up and kicked the extra point, and they just cheered like crazy. <laughs> so, so they didn't understand the game very well. But it was an, let's put it this way, it was an experience. But that is a long plane ride. But I, I think uh, that this is pretty well organized, and I think the guys will have a good experience over there and learn a few things. And uh, But I hope they get focused on the game and really play well because that – I know on the on the plane t trip back, uh, Kansas State wasn't near as happy as we were, and so so if you play well, it, it makes for a better trip. Absolutely, Rico. Let's play um, assessing where we are as a football team. We felt that it's been very important to us from time to time to continually reassess where we are, where we need to go, and to be flexible in running our program. And I'm sure that the same is true in the business world, that you have to continually change the way that you operate as conditions change and as rules change. Coach, when you're assessing where we are now as a Nebraska football team right now today, where are we as far as you're concerned? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, some people look at the record and say, well, we're not very good. But um, the, thing, the thing about it, I, always, I didn't always evaluate performance by the final score. It's how how you play, and last year Nebraska had a tough schedule. Nebraska never got blown out of any game. I think we were within one touchdown of every opponent, and and certainly a kicking play here or there, a turnover here or there, uh, taking better call, per, uh, care of the football. Maybe the last two minutes of the game on occasion, a uh, key drive uh, and. You know, you probably should have beaten Michigan. You should have beaten Michigan State, and uh, you had a shot at Oklahoma. And uh, and everybody feels way different about things if turned, those turn out. So uh, we're not that far off. And uh, I think with a schedule that might be a little more favorable and some good good home games for us, and I think a, a team that looks more talented. Uh, those running backs really kind of jump out at me right now. They're, they're pretty talented guys. I, I think the offensive line uh, is probably the biggest question, but I think uh, I like what I see. They're coming off the ball. They're not moving sideways as much. You know, you get in that darn zone blocking and everything's lateral and then pass protection, and nobody knocks anybody off the ball. But I think with Rayola as a coach, you're going to see uh, – team that comes off and, and dents that defense a little bit. And I'm, I'm hoping the defense will be solid. And we've got some pretty good kickers in here now, and, and I hope a couple of good punt returners. So uh, I guess you're always optimistic to start a season, but I, I feel pretty good about things right now. Well, you know, one of the things that AD we talked about on AD show is, is – this is this game is more anticipated than a lot of first games in a lot of years around here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people looking forward to seeing this first game. Uh, Rico, let's play let's play a specific game preparation. But to move now more out of general areas into specific game preparation, we believe that the best type of mental readiness or motivation really occurs throughout the week. It is not something that can begin 
on Friday afternoon or in a pregame speech right before you go out on the field, but rather to play well, you have to begin on Monday. And so we try to make sure that we have good practices each day throughout the week. Our goal each day is to have a great practice on that day, and we start with Monday's practice. Fiery speeches have not been particularly good for me. That does not fit my personality type. I heard the story many years ago before Bob Devaney came to Nebraska. They had a coach here who was a very strong orator in one game. He was giving a tremendously inspired speech, and to emphasize a point, struck himself a mighty blow in the chest and actually injured himself to the point where he had to be resuscitated and was not able to coach during the first half of the game. And about that same period, after one of these fiery orations, one of our All-American players, Tom Novak, back in the late 40s, was so inspired before a Nebraska-Notre Dame game that he ran out the door and immediately fell down two flights of steps and fortunately was not seriously injured. But we've really not found that that type of approach, using decals on helmets, bulletin board material, and gimmicks such as uh, coaches diving out of airplanes and uh, using parachutes, these kinds of things have been that effective. So we would rather take day-by-day approach and to practice very well and to make sure our players know exactly what they're doing. And then we find that usually a normal and natural emotional buildup will occur throughout the week. Quotes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to <laughs> I mentioned the deal about Tom. I thought I thought Tom uh, ran into the swimming pool <laughs> before a game, but anyway, um, yeah. Well, the, the whole point is simply that uh, preparation is critical, and um, we we generally had pretty focused practices and. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, you, you couldn't have practice actually be a, a whole lot of fun, but I think to some degree it was there was some satisfaction in, in walking off that field at the end of practice and feel like you'd uh, done what you had to do out there. And um, and so, uh, and I, I think the other thing that we try to make sure that players were never humiliated. Now, you had to, you had to correct people. But you could say, you know, you're the dumbest player I've ever coached. And you don't want to do that. You never want to attack somebody personally. And so you say, no, you know, you missed a tackle. And remember, keep your head up, lock your arms, drive your feet. And uh, and the next time the guy does it right, you make a big deal. I was saying that's exactly what we're looking for. And so I think the more positive you can be, uh, the better things are going to go. And... Um, so we tried not to, uh, not to uh, denigrate players or humiliate them. Try to build them up as much as we could within reason, and uh, and work pretty hard. I talked about even Terrell Farley. We talked about this yesterday. I talked to, about uh, the black shirt. I talked about Mike Minner. I talked about Bear Miles. I talked about these quiet guys. Now we had some rah rah guys on defense, but we had some quiet guys on defense that would knock you out, and. Mm-hmm. We're going to play this because I want to know this was your attitude towards the opponent. Is it still this way? And I I know it is, but anyway, let's play it anyway. Attitude towards the opponent. Rico? Okay. One second. (laughs) (laughs) 
Come on, Bach. What's wrong with him over here? <laughs> There's the one second. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I can remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, just repeat. <laughs> right? You were yeah. talking about attitudes. You were talking about, and, and we'll get it. Let's see. We, you were talking about what's what you wanted your team's attitude towards the opponent to be. Okay. Well, I can I can just kind of fill in the blanks here a little bit. Um, I remember one time we were playing uh, an opponent, and uh, and was, I had a little break for a game, and I was standing outside the locker room in the hall, and the opponent locker room was right right across from us. And pretty soon I hear this voice. It was the head coach, and he was taking off. And he was saying all kinds of nasty things about Nebraska and trying to get his team whipped up. And uh, and that particular team kind of uh, delighted in saying bad things, even in the paper, about opponents. And um, the thing that, that I noticed when I was in school, graduate school, uh, they said, you know, the emotions of fear and anger are very close. So if you wire somebody up electronically and you measure their respiration, their perspiration, and all the things that indicate physical reaction, you, you really can't tell uh, somebody who's angry uh, from somebody who's fearful. And so in that particular game, it was kind of remarkable. We kicked off to them. They ran the, ran the kickoff back for a touchdown. They kicked off to us, and we fumbled the ball in midair, and they ran it in. And so we're down 14 to nothing before we've even run a snap. <clears throat> but we kept plugging, and we began to pick up a little momentum. And I think the final score was 50-something to 14. They had the 14, we had the 50. But as the game went along, you know, they tended to kind of fall apart. And, uh, and I always felt that... Uh, you wanted to have proper respect for your opponents. We played hard. We knock them down, but but help them up and uh, never engage in trash talking because usually a a 15-yard penalty. You see that flag on the field, but what you don't realize is that there there usually was a few things said before that flag falls, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I try to encourage our players not to say anything. And, and just play hard and keep playing and keep playing. And uh, it's a little bit disconcerting to an opponent if uh, if they've been doing a lot of talking and you don't answer back and you play really hard. Uh, they begin to wonder what, what in the world am I getting into here? And it's going to be a little bit hard to handle these guys. So anyway, that was kind of our approach to the game. And uh, we always felt that you had to have Good respect for your opponents, and uh, and and uh, and and I think that the strongest, the most powerful emotion is the emotion of love, or the feeling of uh, camaraderie. And so, if that's the feeling you have on the field uh, toward your fellow players, and even toward your opponents, you know, you can hit some. I, I remember my brother and I used to box and we'd hit each other pretty hard and uh and yet um, i cared about him and so you can you can be really physical with somebody but but you don't have to hate him you know and that's something that we felt was important Dang, 
looked like the whole railroad done came in the building. <laughs> Wingstop. Man. Okay, you got it, Rico? You got it ready to go? I think another fact, again, that applies more to specific game preparation that's very important is the attitude that we take toward our opponents. Some coaches try to promote an adversary relationship where the opponent is really looked upon as the enemy. Sometimes things are found in newspapers that will fire up the team. Sometimes speeches are made throughout the week about what an unscrupulous bunch it is that we are preparing to play and so on. And anything that can be done to stir up hatred or animosity toward opponents. And I'm not saying this can't be effective, but we find it hasn't worked out well for us. I think that uh, physiologically speaking, there's a very fine line between the emotions of hatred and fear. Matter of fact, uh, physiologists, when they measure human responses, cannot tell whether a person is angry or fearful from his emotional responses, such as his uh, skin response, his heart rate, respiratory rate, etc. Therefore, it is my hypothesis that because the emotions of fear and anger cause such similar physiological responses that it's, it's sometimes very easy to have a team that is motivated by hatred to become a very fearful football team when things begin to go badly for them on the field. And so it's been our general approach that we would like to have our players feel good about their opponents, to respect their opponents, and to have a healthy feeling toward them. We tell our athletes that they should be able to control the atmosphere of a football game. If they receive negative comments from an opponent, they're not to respond. If they find opponents are dishing out unnecessary types of physical abuse, that again, they're to walk away. Supposed to uh, attempt to, at all times, if they can, to help their opponents up, to smile at them, and try to make sure that nothing gets started. And we find that if we carry this attitude into a football game, that no matter how antagonistic an opponent is, that within a few minutes that tends to disappear. And as a result, over the years, we've had very, very few really nasty or ugly episodes on the football field. And I guess we do this for really two reasons. We find that there are benefits and that we think, number one, that this is probably good for the game of football. Number two, we think we play better because it seems to me that athletes who play in a relaxed environment where there's generally goodwill toward their teammates, toward their opponents, that uh, such players are less fearful. They're, so, they're less anxious and they're braver players. And as a result, they play better football. It struck me that many times I think coaches are somewhat afraid to take this attitude. They've been brought up with the idea that you've got to hate your opponents, you've got to uh, try to tear their heads off, these kinds of things. And they're really almost afraid to try any different kind of approach to coaching. And of course, in the area of business, I think that many uh, businesses tend to foster an adversary attitude toward their opponents. They, uh, Rather than trying to concentrate on selling their product, they tend to continually tear into the opponent or the competition and, of course, we feel, again, this is somewhat self-destructive. Oh, transcend time, Coach. <laughs> well, I'm glad I remembered a little bit of what I said 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 40 yeah. years ago. Yeah, 40 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We played 27 years ago. Well, you got Terrell. You over there looking like you got I'm something. I'm, you good I'm, to go? I'm ready to eat, so I'm just, <laughs> I'm just happy, Coach, here. I had my questions all ready earlier today, so I just – 
just sit here amazed that coaches still say the same thing that he said 40 <laughs> years ago. I know, right? He just, he just spoke about it 20 minutes ago, and now he's just heard it, and he still sounds the same. <laughs> well, you, you know what you know what throws me is, is the fact that you um, taught us that way back when. And I was – you know, I looked at a couple of films where – they was trying to get us to talk stuff, and we, nobody would talk any stuff. Mm. So, coach, <laughs> you 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 were we were well before your time in that. When when you talk about being a nice guy and helping them up, that was only that was part of the mental game, right? Mm. Because you still was like hit them in the mouth. You never told oh, us to take it, it easy <laughs> on them. We're a pretty physical football team. Yeah. I remember one time we were playing Miami, and uh, they were <laughs> they were usually uh, going to give you a lot of conversation, and uh, and so at halftime I told our players we were I think we were maybe behind, but I said at some point in the second half somebody's gonna somebody's gonna take a swing at somebody, and uh, the important thing is that you drop your hands because if if you swing back, you're going to get offsetting penalties, or maybe maybe you're going to get kicked out of the game. And so, sure enough, uh, late in the game, uh, Christian Peter, who was wound pretty tight and was not necessarily a guy that normally would turn the other cheek, there's a guy a guy laying on top of him. He was just wailing at him. <laughs> he was punching, and Christian kept his arms down at his side. <laughs> And nobody would have thought Christian would ever do that, no. but he did. And uh, they walked off 15 yards against Miami, and uh, it was a critical time. And we ended up winning the game and, and also a national championship. And so uh, that kind of discipline is important as time goes by. Coach, you said something to us uh, my senior year. Uh, you was talking to us seniors. I think we was, it was like 23 of us and something like that. It was a bunch of seniors. And you said that we really don't know what we did at that point, you know, after we won the game. We really don't know. But you said 30 years from now, you look back on this and you'll know what you did. So I know exactly what you're talking about now. Because it might not ever get done again. <laughs> that well, I'm glad you've got a good memory. <laughs> That's good. But, um, yeah, I think sometimes in the moment when you play a game, play a great game or whatever, um, just kind of accept that that's what it's going to be, but um, those times come and go pretty fast, and uh, you guys both know it because now you've been out of it quite a while, and but hopefully you have some good memories and and uh, some things that served you well along the way. Absolutely, right, Terrell, you ain't about to cry, right? Oh no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you like he got tears in his eye, coach. Well, he's a good guy, and. Uh, Terrell has really made some great changes in his life and uh, very proud of him. And you're a great talker, you know. I, I knew you could talk. I didn't, know, I didn't know you'd be on the radio someday. But uh, I knew you'd be a good car, car salesman. Well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to take the car salesman guy out a little bit and be more of a talker on the radio. <laughs> there you go. It's a little yeah. less strenuous. Yeah, it is easier. Yeah, coach. Mm -hmm. Why did you? Why did you? When we did one on ones, linebackers against Russians. Why did you? Why did you come over and be the quarterback? Why was I the quarterback? Yeah. Well, well I was. Uh, I usually we had some one on one blocking. Remember, and I usually uh, 
We just didn't have enough assistance to, you know, Ron Brown was working with the wide receivers, so I'd come over and coach the tight ends against the defensive ends. And uh, so that was one of the few times that I actually did much hands-on stuff. But I, but that was important because you're really looking at, at uh, head position, footwork, and all the little fundamentals. And uh, so that was, that was kind of a time that I spent a little time coaching, actually. Who, who was the most devastating blocker that played for you? Best blocker? Um, Dean Steincooler was was really good. And, and of course, Dave Remington as a center uh, was uh, was a pretty amazing athlete. Uh, he had a torn ACL in the Shrine game before he came to Nebraska. And that was before they repaired ACLs and uh, he, his legs were so built up and so strong he was able to compensate but he was really quick off the ball and so probably those two guys as far as offensive linemen go were, were pretty outstanding but we had a lot of great blockers and Tom Rathman was a, was a great blocker fullback Corey Schlesinger those guys were pretty outstanding and so we just had a lot of it's, it's hard to name individuals without leaving people out, but uh, we had a lot of good ones. Roger Craig deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think so, yeah. Roger, you know, when the 49ers had Roger Craig and Rathman together in the, in the backfield, they were pretty formidable because they both, see, Roger ended up, uh, he was a great eye back for us, and then we had Rozier, so we moved Roger to fullback. Wow. And so Roger played fullback uh, ahead of Mike. Mike was the eye back. And, but uh, when Roger went to the 49ers, uh, he wasn't just a guy that was a ball carrier. He knew how to block. And so he was a very complete player, and also Rathman was a complete player. They, uh, they could catch the ball, they could run the ball, and they could block. And uh, so they were a great tandem, and, and I think they were both proud of Playing, playing for Nebraska and, and the style of football we played. Coach, I appreciate you. I don't mm. want to hold you. I told you I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna adhere to, to, to mm. time. Yeah, and you've already close? gone over forty oh, minutes. <laughs> late, yeah. hey, he shows up late and yeah, over. yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> if if he'd been on time, it'd be a little different. But yeah. he's late getting here. Go out there and, and say he park, say how he parked yeah. there too, coach. Right, I'll, I'll go get his get his car towed. No, oh, don't do that, coach. <laughs> you know, we got. I had my share of getting towed at the university, though. Parking all crazy. I can believe that. <laughs> well, coach, well, thank I, you, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. teammates, one more time. Get at that. That uh, how do they how do they become Te a mentor? Teammates.org. They'll walk you through. Teammates.org. Coach gonna walk me through it so I can become a mentor. There you go. All right. Yeah, you both be great mentors because you've been you've made all the mistakes that you could make. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, you can be one step ahead of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you knew? You knew you knew everything because you was already one step ahead. That's right. Well, I tried to be. You saw it already. Yeah. Okay. So, Coach, I appreciate you again. Coach Osborne, Bach, we're going to let Coach go. Black shirt, you got anything else? No. Nope, Coach, cool. you got you, – give me your best go big red. No, oh, I'm not big on that stuff. Oh, <laughs> man. Hey. Go big is, red. How's that? Yeah. Okay. I was, like, hey, I was about to say, that's where the black shirts get it from. We'll be right back live from Wingstop.